Welcome back to My Secrets to Stamina. I'm Cindy Novotny, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today. And to all of you who are loyally following me, welcome back. This platform has been so great in allowing me to connect with so many people that specifically want to have stamina to do it all in this crazy life. Not only do I share my secrets, but I have guests that are sharing their incredible stories and their best advice. I always bring the fire and the best of the best. I love the fact that everyone who is listening to this podcast, no matter what role you're in, want to be better and be better in overall life. Everyone's got a dream. Everyone's got a journey. And my goal is to help you be successful and live the life you want to live. They have deemed me the radical mentor because I always help you look at how to live your life without the standard definition of balance and have the stamina to do it all. So let's go. So I am excited to welcome my guest this week, a new friend of mine now, Mr. Eric Fisher. Eric is a productivity expert and host of Beyond the To-Do List podcast, which has been topping charts for years. Eric has worked through his ADHD by finding ways to unlock creativity and be productive by choosing the right tools to prioritize tasks and ultimately build a framework that works as a road to success. This all leads to the path of living a meaningful life. Eric focuses on creating good habits and achieving goals. Why resting is productive. And I like, as I always say, finding the balance with your personal and professional life that works for you. And that's what he does. I'm so thrilled to have him here to share his thoughts with us today. So without further ado, welcome Eric. Hello, Eric. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I was so excited when I heard everything you're doing and you're beyond the to-do list podcast. I thought, okay, this is not just a great guy to have on my podcast, but I can't wait to learn from you as well. So let's begin by having you share a little bit about your background and story with our listeners so everybody can gain a little more insight to who you are. Yeah. Well, uh, let me give you this kind of quick, I don't know, superhero origin story, I guess, of, uh, you know, my background, what I've been doing. So I've been doing my podcast beyond the to-do list for 11 years and I had done different co-hosting things before that, but back in the summer of 2005, I was working data entry in a job and I was sitting there listening to iTunes, as it used to be called, and I got a pop-up that said, uh, iTunes has an update. And I thought, okay, great. I can uh, go do a bio break. I can get some coffee, use the restroom, come back and reset. And so I did. And when I sat back down, I saw that on the sidebar, it said, podcasts. And I thought to myself, what is that? And I clicked in and I suddenly realized, oh, these are radio shows. It's like TiVo for radio. I can download (laughs) them, pause them, right? And I don't have to just sit here and listen to music anymore. I can be entertained. I can be educated. I can be inspired and I can keep up with shows. And so this was early. I mean, this was brand new, like brand new early days. And I knew instantly, oh, I'm going to do one of these. Now it took about two years back in, and and still that's still earlier than a lot of people were listening to podcasts, but summer of uh, 2007, a friend of mine and I, we started a podcast. It was just, we just did comedy stuff. It was like a late night talk show. Kind of, we did books, movies, reviews, things like that. Uh, just getting our foot in the door, kind of doing the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, you know, practicing in, in public. Uh, but the, but the other thing 
that came about was that summer, that same summer back in 2005 when I discovered podcasting, I also got diagnosed with ADHD. And at that time I was an adult, like I was, I don't know, many years out of college and way past high school. And so I thought, well, is it too late for me to find this out? Turns out, no. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but that also was kind of the reason why I, I didn't know it, but was always driven to figure out systems and routines and ways to look at things differently or hack the system because the system as it was set up to be didn't work for me. I was always struggling. So fast forward to about 2011 and I am, uh, parting ways with a co-host. We, he's, he's, uh, turning off a show he was going to be, he had been doing for a while that I was doing with him. And then 2012, uh, it was time for me to launch my own show. And so I said, well, I want to talk to people. I want to learn from them. I want to in, be inspired by them. I want to find out how they do creative work. I want to find out how they do work-life balance with, which was a kind of a new term at that time. And, uh, it hit me. Oh, I want to know how they manage themselves. I want to know how they do their own productivity, but it's not just productivity. It's productivity beyond the to-do list. And I caught myself and I'm like, there it is. That's the title. And that's the reason. So ever since I've been, you know, working day job stuff, doing social media and marketing, but the side hustle as the podcast of beyond the to-do list has always grown and I've been able to, and fortunate enough to have amazing conversations with honestly, some very big name people along the way. I love it. That is, well, that's great. And I love that you kept it going. I think that the, you know, when you pursue something and you don't give up, like you said, you were doing your, with your friend and then he decided not to, it's like, okay, then I'll just do it on my own. I love that. So productivity, all right? It is the number one. I think if you go to a bookstore, I, there's more things on time management and self-improvement and how to get more done and work four hours and, and accomplish eight hours. So it is a broad, big topic. And yet a lot of people, and I, I do training for a living and I speak on this, they struggle with how to be productive. So how did this topic, I know you kind of mentioned you figured out different hacks and things when you got diagnosed, but how did it become your platform as far as really giving people some good you know, tips and tricks on productivity? Well, I knew, and I kind of hoped that, uh, unlike me, you know, I, I knew there were other people out there with ADHD, but that wasn't really the drive for it, honestly. Looking back, uh, creating an ADHD podcast would have been something that would have been a potential other show to have done, but that almost limits it in some ways and almost perpetuates that everybody has it, which isn't totally true, although we all have symptomatized ourselves um, because of all of the frenetic energy that we have when we're switching from device to device to device to device. Right. But I, I think for me, it was all about, I realized well, if I need to learn this stuff, then that means there's other people that need to also. But I also understood that there was no one size fits all. And so it was always going to be, and that's great because if you can, it means I get to continually do a show where I can grab different people with different approaches and different topics and even repeat people with repeat topics. And there's always something new. So there's always something. And, and in fact, I was just talking to, to somebody about this last night. They said, well, what are some of the lessons that you've learned 
over the 11 years that you've done the show? And I said, well, honestly, it's to have a portfolio of things that have worked in the past. And even if they don't work now, they did in a season of life or a season of like a literal season like we're in right now. And then it becomes spring and then it becomes summer. Sometimes it's just the season of the year that things change and things that did work like early to rise don't always work all year. Like for example, in the summer, I love to not record my show as much because people are constantly around in my house where I record. So that's just one small little example, but I just wanted to continually be that, I don't know, conduit, I guess, and just pass, you know, gather process and pass along information and education. You must have a great house that everybody comes down in the summer. <laughs> well, it's just that people like, uh, I mean, it's not the hugest house or anything, but I've got two kids and my wife and two dogs. And so when friends are over or people are busy and, and I'm yeah. here all day working, it just, it gets a little busy. So I can see it. Yeah, I know exactly. Right. You got to put the dogs away and tell the kids not now I'm working and they don't kind of get that. I get it. Exactly. So let's talk about your framework model for the road to success as it relates to being productive some things that you can give us to have a better framework on how to do it better. Well, I think the the key to anything really is, and and, and this goes to anything you're trying to improve in life. It starts with self-awareness. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of trite to say, well, you don't know what to change or how to change it until you realize you need to make a change. And, and yes, that's true, but we're all kind of sick of hearing that. But I think the real key here is knowing where you are and what you are and where you're going is really the key. And it's, and it comes down to self-awareness and, and I don't just mean like self-awareness in terms of what, what to change and all of that, but like knowing how you work best. I mean, this is one of the keys is like there I've done a number of episodes on the time of day to do certain tasks and the time of day to not do certain tasks and the fact that it's not the same for all of us. And so that requires you, listener, to do a little bit of homework on yourself and say, yeah, you know, I've always noticed that I don't do well trying to do things first thing in the morning, like turn to the the bedside table like some people do and grab a phone and start going through emails. And yet other people, that's exactly what they need to do. And so there's no one size fits all. And so it all goes back to self-awareness, knowing what is your work style as some people that I've talked to uh, call it, or what is your chronotype as another uh, doctor of sleep has referred to it as, is whether, and, and you know, early rise or during the day or night owl. And there's a, there's a fourth one in there that a lot of people don't know about um, where you're all over the place (laughs) where you can do things all, all times of day. I suspect that might be you. I don't know (laughs) (laughs) with your traveling and such, but uh, I think that's interesting though. Like it, it is because I am that person that the phone is at my nightstand because I have international business And I have a lot of people that give me a lot of slack about this, but I do get up. And the first thing I do is I check those emails. Now I'm not responding to every single one that is like that I can respond to when I get up and take a shower and go to work. But there are those that are crucial that came in from London or from China. And I'll just say something to the fact that I just woke up. I just saw this. I will get on it as soon as I get to the office. And that buys me 
calmness for me, but it also buys me a lot of love from people. So I'm not answering all their gazillion questions, but I'm just simply, I move it in my mind to a place that my mind trusts. Does that make sense? Totally. And that's what we call triage. It's a medical term really it comes from the war where, you know, you you're on the battlefield as a doctor and you know that, okay, this person's wound, they won't die from so then I can move on to the next person. But this person, their wound, I have to treat this immediately or pass it off, delegate it to the person who can treat it immediately so that you take care of things quickly and delegate them and assign them, et cetera. And that's just what you're doing. Oh, I could now I have like a medical term for me, triage. I there love you go. It. It sounds so much better than workaholic. I love triage. There you go. Yes. Well, I do think the point about um, knowing when you best work is so vital. And most of us have to work all day long. But I do find that some of my best thinking randomly comes late at night for me. And it's a it's a weird thing because I'm up very early doing my work and in classes and training and speaking. But my big brainstorming with myself comes later at night. So I do think you have to figure that out yourself. Yeah. And see some other people like for me, example, for an example, for me is like there's been times where and seasons of life where getting up at five o'clock and going for a walk on a treadmill, not like to like, you know, grind and lose weight or anything, but just because that gets the blood flowing and the ideas pumping and I'll just listen to music and then I'll come away from that. And the rest of the day is a much better day because I did that. But there are other seasons where, oh no, I need my sleep because it's pitch dark out till almost 8 a.m. in the morning. And I feel like the rest of the day, if I do that, um, is super (laughs) lost, et cetera. So it's, it's not just who you are in the moment, but who you are in the season. And I think that let's take a moment on sleep because when I was younger, I would brag to people that I, you know, I've been in the hotel industry my whole life, the restaurant industry. So there were times I didn't get home till two, three, four in the morning and I could still get up early. I would say, Oh, it's, I get five hours of sleep. I'm totally fine. I figured out many years ago that I need a good seven to eight hours and I'm not exaggerating. And that has helped me health wise. I mean, and really, this is so funny, but the real reason I did it to begin with, I heard some doctor on some talk show say, you can, if you get more sleep, you could lose weight. And I'm like, that's it. All I need to do is sleep, forget the treadmill. (laughs) And then once I did start getting good sleep, it made a difference. You know, as an example, I live in Southern California where it is sunny a lot more. Right now I'm at our farm in Iowa and it is pitch black when that alarm goes off at six o'clock in the morning. And I do. So I just say, no, I'm not getting up until seven and it's still dark, but at least I see across the cornfield, the sun starting to come up. So I think that whole seasonality is a good thing to look at as well. Well, and not to mention the way that the light from the sun uh, improves your mood. And so that's why, you know, you've got the, uh, what is it? Seasonal affective disorder during this time of year, as we're recording this, uh, is often prevalent. And I, and again, there's another self-awareness piece for me. I know that I am very susceptible to the symptoms of that. And so I know that one of the ways that I can counteract that is get as much sun, even if it's a gray cloudy day, like it is right now, as I look out my window, I'm at least letting the light into my eyelids and I'm getting some sun, even if it's not sunny in the vacation style of sun. But, uh, and in fact, my doctor said, you know, you need to once a season when it is that 
seasonal affective disorder time, you need to get away into actual sun like that for about a week. And so that's been a priority for me. And in fact, I have that on the books to go do that sometime soon. So, but yeah, just getting as much light as you can, but a way to counteract that again is getting more sleep. So I allow myself to sleep more, try to go to bed early enough and sleep late enough and get good quality sleep as well. It's not just time, but also quality. Yeah, we hibernate in the winter. Yes, I like exactly. I love, I love and, it. And yet we Just try like to fight it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and don't fight it, right? Yeah. So now a little bit more deeper on, on mental health and things like ADHD and topics that I only know of from my friend's kids and things like that when they're younger, like you said. But I do think a lot of adults have this. I mean, I look sometimes look at myself and go, wow, I was never diagnosed. But, you know, sometimes you look at your attention span and all of that. I obviously could never speak on this topic, but it's at the forefront of discussion. And since you've done so much, people battle this all the time. So what are some tips that you can share as far as that sort of, you know, mental health or ADHD where it boils down to productivity? Yeah, I would say that, well, let's start with mental health. I think that one of the things that we downplay is the importance of it. And I am very glad that it's become more of a commonplace topic that's okay to talk about. I think there's still a lot more room to grow when it comes to that. And I think a lot of it comes down to if you're seeking help, you're almost seeking it too late. We almost need to be, I'll, I'll, I'll nix the almost, we need to be proactive when it comes to our mental health. And so getting in touch with a therapist, doing, you know, we, we listen to podcasts where we hear uh, ad breaks where there's different, I'm not going to say the names of them because that's free advertising, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that there, there are good ones out there that if you just need to talk to somebody and, and don't downplay the importance of, I mean, good therapy is good therapy and that's important, but also having a community, having relationships, friends, family, et cetera, that are consistent and allow you to vent when you need to, or give you support in all the different ways that are prevalent. But then there's also the self-care aspect of it, which again, we've already talked a little bit about sleep. Sleep goes a long way towards this. Obviously that's not the be all end all, but it does play a huge part when you're, when you're sleep impaired, it's almost like you're drunk scientifically. They've proven that. And so then when you're not making good decisions, you make bad ones and then bad ones lead to more bad ones and so on and so on. So sleep, and good therapy and good friends and community, but also having rituals and routines. And again, I think this is probably part of what uh, you've learned throughout your travels is just having different elements that ground you no matter where you are or when you are so that you have a, a even if you're uh, remote or um, nomadic, that you are still in a familiar state uh, with yourself and you're checking in on yourself, Right. Exactly. Checking in on yourself. I think people kind of blow that off. It's like, oh, well, you'll be fine. I'm fine. I'll, I'll move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. You need to have someone to talk to, even if you're not getting counseling, even a friend, somebody that will give you the honest answer. Like, no, I think you should talk more about that or something. Yeah. Yeah. And e even one form that this can take is doing uh, some form of journaling. And no, I don't mean, oh, write a diary. No, I mean like having certain prompts that you ask yourself uh, each day. And again, best time for that is going to be based on you, whether that's in the evening when you're you know, winding down for the day and you're reflecting or to do it in the morning as to kind of direct and you know guide your day as you're starting it. Uh, I know people that do 
both one or the other or both and they find it to be very beneficial and it's them doing that check-in with themselves consistently yeah. it, which is i think critical to everything so yeah. uh as you know because we've chatted i do live my life on the road with no balance and i love it i've chosen this life um been married forever doing it and my husband and i have it all figured out and he travels now about 50 percent of the time with me but I do think I'm extremely productive in so many areas of my life, but I can always use tips. So there's a lot of people that are listening right now that are road warriors that are truly traveling every week. They could be traveling to shoot destination weddings. They could be going to be event planners. They can be hotel people on task force. They can be salespeople that are, you know, Sundays getting on a plane and not returning home till Friday, uh, you know, late at night. And some of these event industry gurus, hospitality veterans, all of these people go 100 miles an hour and are always, always searching for that balance, yet they don't want to give up that great life. So what are a few things we can do when we are those, we can't just say, oh, don't travel that much. We have to. What can we do to take our productivity to the next level based on your experience? Yeah. And I wouldn't say stop traveling because I think that's part of why you can't stop is that you don't want to stop because right. it's who you are. And again, that goes back to self-awareness. And so it's, again, I would incorporate a lot of what we've already talked about in terms of uh, doing, you know, finding good places to have um, check-in moments built into your day. Uh, I would say finding out whether, you know, uh, you're an evening person or a morning person or somewhere in between, uh, or all over the place, which probably I, I, I am guessing people that travel more have more of that all over the place kind of a chronotype. Um, but I think it comes down to um, there is one secret. <laughs> we talked about sleep. There is one secret that I do all the time, which is naps and oh, yeah. getting them in at any time that you can and not thinking that you have to literally fall asleep in order for it to work. Thing is, is like if you and, and you're probably familiar with this, closing your eyes and having um, either a mask or uh, air, not air canceling, uh, noise canceling headphones on a plane or if you're in a car uh, with an Uber or uh, any, you know, anywhere that you can stick it in and get it done, 15, 20 minutes of just resetting your brain and getting into that quiet or, or using some kind of, you know, um, noise, uh, not, maybe not white noise, but maybe some like, uh, I use, I use something called, um, brain FM and it basically gets your brainwave into the mode that you want it to be in quickly. So if you want to get into a, a meditative state, it'll do that quick. If you want it to help it, help you focus, uh, on the task at hand, it can do that. Uh, it can help you sleep. It can help you relax, just unwind. There's all these, you know, help you read faster, better with more um, retention. There's a, a mode for that. So that's actually another tip trick I, I always use. I, I'm constantly using that. Um, I love that. Suggest it's it for called, everybody. Uh, what, Brain FM? Brain FM, yeah. And I and, and if you want, and I'm not going to, I mean, you can go to like beyondthetodolist.com slash Brain FM. Okay. And that's where you can get a free trial and like 20% off an entire year of it. I, I have been using it for like seven years now straight and I love it. Yeah. So, well, good. yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, I do think that now that you mention it, so I fall asleep the moment I get on a plane, whether it's early in the morning, middle of the day, four in the afternoon, five the I'm asleep before we take off. And 
I think I've done this psychologically without even knowing it because, you know, I travel so much that you've just got to get into your little, you know, zone and I fall asleep and I have to say to the person next to me, even if I don't know them, wake me for food. Okay. Just wake me for food. Love and it. I, I, I probably get, I would say 20, 30 good solid minutes of some good. I just fall sound asleep. And then when I am home, like during the holidays, when I was home, I took two weeks off and I've been home and I take a nap every day. And my husband cannot believe it. He's like, I don't know how you can nap. I go like at about three o'clock. It's such a vacation thing to me to like lay down and I set the alarm and I only sleep 30 minutes, but I fall sound asleep. I don't just lay and I just lay down. And so I do think that for people working in a nine to five job, it might be hard if you're in an office. But I think if you have lunch, if you have a lunch break, like my team gets a whole, you know, hour for lunch, you could easily go into a conference room. You could, a lot of places, you could go to your car and put a headset on and 20 minutes, I think would be good for everyone. Cause I have heard nothing but great things about napping. Yes. Well, and then I've got like three different things that popped into my head. Number one is one, you don't want to fall, you don't want to fall asleep for very long because if you get into an actual sleep cycle, that's why people, you know, tend to avoid naps. They're like, oh, I take a nap, but I wake up and I feel all groggy instead of yes. refreshed. It's because you went into a sleep cycle. So you want to have some sort of, whether it's a, a silent alarm or, or, an, or an audible alarm, I guess, um, you want to have an alarm for about 30 minutes, no more than about 45 minutes before you drift into that. And yes. so you want to prevent that. But number two, you can do something called a nappuccino where you take like a shot of caffeine, which takes about 20 minutes to get into your bloodstream take that shot of caffeine or if it's cold coffee, whatever, and then lay down. And then when it's time for you to wake up, that caffeine is in your system fully uh, accommodated and you're going to feel even more awake than you did when you laid down. Okay, good idea. And I do not ever do longer than 30 minutes. That's the whole thing. That's where I, I, I heard yes. that from someone. And, but I do kind of, I think I fall asleep, asleep, but I, because I'm kind of really rested, but I wake up ready to go. Then I put on movies, read my books. So I love the shot though. That's a good thing. A shot of coffee or cappuccino. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate all of your energy and your enthusiasm and all the, the tips. And I think, you know, we'll be sharing uh, how people can listen to your podcast uh, beyond the to-do list. And we'll share all of that with our listeners. But the last thing I want to ask you is what are, in addition to all this, because there's a difference between productivity and your secrets to stamina, any secrets to stamina that you have in addition to everything we've been talking about? Yeah, I will say other than sleep and taking a nap and trying to do that as often as I can, which is most days uh, for that 20 minute, 25 minute window. My other thing is take breaks and break up your schedule. You will find that flipping the switches, and I'll explain that in two seconds. So basically, if you've sat for too long, you flip the switch and you stand up. Or if you were standing, you sit. If you're inside, go outside. If you're outside, go inside. If you were social, go solitude. If you were in solitude while you were working, go socialize. If you were staring at a screen, go stare at real life outside or nature. If you were uh, not moving, go move. If you were moving, go sit. It's flipping all the switches. Flip and it, the switch. 
yeah, just flip all the switches. I love it. Because when you say stamina, that's literally what I think of is it helps you. So this is where standing desks or walk and talk breaks outside with snacks and friends and coffee or getting, you know, getting off your phone and getting off devices or vice versa. Go call somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it all works. I love it. Flip the switch. I'm gonna, yep. I love that. I'm going to take that with me. Flip the switch. Well, thank you so very much. I so appreciate having you on with me. This is great. And I honestly think people are going to walk away with a lot of fun things, Eric. I think they're going to say, wow, there's some cool things I can take away and then listen to you further. So thanks so much. And for all of you, stay tuned for my next episode. I will bring you another amazing guest who's going to share their story and their secrets. So can't wait till next time.